Welcome to The Athlete and the NARP. I'm Jenna Daly, and I'm the athlete. And I'm Claire Fenton, and I'm the NARP. And if you don't know what a NARP is, then you're one too. Welcome to the fifth episode of The Athlete and the NARP. This week, we're going to be talking about the objectification of female athletes and the way that media coverage of them negatively impacts their public image. And I'm going to have Jenna start off with the main story and the main idea that got us started thinking about today's topic, which is Livy Dunn, a gymnast on LSU's women's gymnastics team. Yeah, Livy Dunn started off our conversation about this because I feel like it's kind of just prevalent through all of her social medias. If you see her Instagrams or her TikToks, it's just like she has a lot of young male fans and they're not always the kindest. And a lot of times they leave really lewd comments and they make just a lot of different negative comments about how she looks. And she's in the news a lot. I think I really feel like she's reported on a lot. I had seen this New York Times article about her and it was titled New Endorsements for College Athletes Resurface and Old Concern Sex Sells. And then right next to the title is this image of her posing in her LSU attire, her leotard, in their gym. It's an interesting contrast, I feel like, between the article title which is very bold and then this picture of her that is this very sweet picture also in her college attire which is I don't know I find it kind of odd that they would associate that pretty much the article talks about how this is a concern with the rise of NIL recently a lot of female college athletes have gained are large following and they have a profile now but it ends up being a lot of white women with blonde hair that are getting a lot of fame mostly because of their looks or so that's how it's been reported on and so the article is pretty much just talking about how some people are thinking that this is they call it regressive and so I guess a step back for women's sports and They say that this whole idea of playing up your looks and feeding off that and gaining endorsements through that is really detrimental to women's sports. And so I think there's there's a lot that you could unpack in that sort of claim. Media coverage plays a huge role in this criticism of female athletes and their rise to fame with NIL deals. I don't know. It kind of made us wonder if these women are actually getting these endorsements and this recognition because they are attractive and that's kind of it and they're playing into it or is the media's response to it like they're accomplishing great things as athletes they're also really attractive and they're showing off their lifestyles and people are attracted to their lifestyle or or them and kind of covering them saying oh they're really only famous because they're attractive and so both Claire and I found it really interesting trying to figure out where this portrayal is coming from and whether it's accurate or not. It is important to mention that Livy Dunn 
is not just making a little bit of money off of this. She's in the top three highest paid college athletes, men and women, as far as NIL money goes. She's making millions, which some of the criticism, I think, especially of her making her money based off of her looks, her appearance, is that she's not a fantastic college athlete or she hasn't had a stellar career. She's competed in meets for LSU. And obviously she's competing at LSU in the SEC. That's obviously incredibly impressive. She's not untalented, but she's not the star of the team. She's not the best athlete on the gymnastics team. She's not one of the best gymnasts in the NCAA. It is somewhat fairly obvious that a lot of the reason why she's making this money is because she's pretty. I think in particular, this New York Times article After it was published, she kind of clapped back at the author who wrote it and the New York Times in general and said that when she was asked to interview for it, they had framed it as, oh, we want to talk about your NIL accomplishments and we want to talk about how you've been able to kind of do this, like become your own business kind of in a sense and make all this money for yourself. And she said when she began doing the interview, they asked her very pointed questions about her looks and based on the way that she had been approached, she wasn't expecting to be asked. And then when the article came out, like Jenna mentioned, she was very upset that they had had her pose in her uniform and honestly kind of sexualized her based off of that. They had her pose in the uniform that she has to wear to meets. It's mandated that she wears that leotard. And they had her next to headline sex cells. Doing something like that kind of defeats the purpose of the article or just heightens this idea that you know, female athletes get their worth off of their looks. And that was, I know Livy Dunn was especially unhappy about that because it was in her LSU uniform. So now New York Times has associated LSU with the slogan sex sells, which she did not approve and she was not happy about. In the article as well, they interviewed a player for the Stanford women's basketball team, Haley Jones, and kind of put her against Livy Dunn in the comparison of, oh, here's Livy Dunn making money off of her looks. Here's Haley Jones, who says she doesn't really want to do that. Kind of like Haley is the ideal female athlete. Livy is not. And they had Stanford women's basketball coach interviewed as well. And she called it what Livy Dunn is doing a step back, quote unquote, for women's sports. She's like, we fought for equality for so hard. And now look at Livy Dunn or girls who want to make money that way and get endorsements that way, that's a step back. I just felt that was very uncalled for. I don't know what type of questions they had asked her or what exactly the context of it was, but I just don't see a need to bash a young, successful female athlete in that way in a space that's already so difficult and so hard for women to have anyone, especially men, celebrate their success. We both follow accounts like ESPN, SportsCenter, accounts that normally cover men's sports the majority of the time and credit to them they're trying to increase their women's coverage they'll post women's sports like probably 10 percent of their posts I would say are about women's sports if it's coming from something like ESPN and every single time they do there's thousands of comments that are just we don't care we don't want this so what have her go up against a man in whatever sport this is just a ton of degrading comments just completely knocking down the women competing and there's just no sense of celebration. So even though it's like, oh, great, they made Sports Center like, or they're on ESPN, like, that's amazing. You go to the comments and it's kind of doing the opposite because it's just opening these women up to more criticism. They also talk about 
Haley Jones, the way she portrays herself is very different. And she says like she doesn't post bikini pictures and it's not because she doesn't want to, but that's just because she understands that she has an audience, whether she wants it or not. And that's not what she wants to produce and be like, that's not what she wants associated with her. So she has a lot of endorsements as well. They're a little bit different. Like she has Nike and Beats and SoFi. And what I think is interesting here is that she comments and they include the comment. It says, you can go outside wearing sweatpants and a puffer jacket and you'll be sexualized. I could be on a podcast and it could just be my voice and I'll face the same thing. So I think it will be there no matter what you do or how you present yourself. This is the society we live in. She's not critiquing other athletes or other women for like what they're posting. She's not saying that they're playing up anything. It's almost as if the New York Times is hitting them against each other in this comparison. Again, just continues to like the New York Times is now a perpetrator of just this continuously like sexualizing female athletes. And they're not using this as an example to say like, women will post whatever and it'll still be thought as a certain way you could have taken this article and these quotes and said like Livy Dunn is living her life the way that she would live her life and it just so happens that people are really interested and she knows that and is capitalizing on that and it's not really like putting her in the best light saying look at her she's a businesswoman in the same way that I think they're hyping up Jones here Uh, yeah I found it ironic that the New York Times included that quote from Jones in at the end It is very true what she said. If it's just my voice, I'm going to be sexualized. It's not a problem with Livy Dunn. It's a problem with other people. And for whatever reason, everybody wants to jump in and criticize Livy Dunn for being pretty and capitalizing off of that and living her best life as a SEC-level gymnast. There's also nothing wrong with what she's doing. I mean, people have criticized her for Photoshopping, her Instagram posts before, which I think is a fair criticism, but that's beside, that really has nothing to do with how she's making her money. That's kind of a separate issue, which you could argue is also not her fault and perpetuated by a society that expects, now that she's like, oh, I'm making money off of my image, I'm expected to look a certain way, I can empathize like with the pressure she must feel yeah that she has she, to if she's it. being told that this is where the money is this is what you're expected to do like of course she's going to feel pressure just because society as a whole gears these types of advertisements and promotions toward white blonde pretty women that's not then the white blonde pretty women's fault A good parallel to Livy Dunn is the Cavender twins, Haley and Hannah. They played basketball at the collegiate level together. They really became more famous whenever they began playing for Miami together. Both blonde as well, like Livy Dunn. Them being twins is part of their brand. They have made about $2 million off of NIL and other outside business ventures that they've had. Their social media is very emphasized on kind of their looks, their appearances, and their fitness. I mean, they're collegiate athletes. Like, they work out every single day. They're playing, again, at a very high level, Miami in the ACC. They were in the tournament uh, last year. Like, really good basketball team. It's very clear that a lot of their endorsements and a lot of the reason why they made their success is based off of their appearance. They were interviewed by another outlet, the Free Press, who 
also came to them and phrased the scope of the article as, we want to talk about your accomplishments there and how you've been able to do this and how you've been able to make so much money and kind of what your future looks like as, you know, this brand you've been able to build for yourselves. When the article came out, they were like, like, we trusted this person. We let him into our home. We showed him our lives. And the whole article was basically not uplifting them as being young entrepreneurs, young women who are able to make millions off of who they are, but as just, quote unquote, a tornado of blonde ponytails and crop tops and selfies who are kind of vapid and looks focused and don't deserve, pretty much, I would say, the success that they have, or it's come to them in an avenue that is somehow not respected. And this article, if you thought that the New York Times one with calling it sex sells was bad and sexist this one is the ncaa has a hot girl problem the cavender twins the emerging oligarchs of women's college basketball aren't the best players but they might be the best looking so if that isn't inherently undermining their athletic abilities i'm not really sure what is. some of the quotes in this article are kind of wild i mean at one point the author writes about women like Livy Dunn and the Cavender twins who are making a lot of NIL money, he says, the female athletes don't need to keep playing. It's unclear why they would. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) It's unclear why they would want to keep playing a sport that they've worked their whole lives to be able to play at the highest level in the NCAA. That is so degrading and just so, it just undercuts everything that they work so hard to build as if part of like as if part of who they are isn't the fact that they're these high achieving athletes it's it's mind-blowing it's like all right cool you got your money you got reassurance that you're pretty now you can go home that would never ever be said (laughs) about a male athlete at the collegiate level it never it's and and if it if it did it would make so many headlines someone would be fired like it would be a huge deal. People no, would be yeah. so up in arms about it. No one would ever question why a male athlete who's like handsome or could model or has a really nice physique, no one would ever question why they would want to keep and there, playing And their there sport. are. There and are men yeah, there who are model mm-hmm. and there's like Calvin Klein ads and that is inherently sexual. That's inherently a lot more sexual than a woman posting a bikini picture for fun. Mm-hmm. But... You don't hear criticism about that. You don't hear, oh, they're using their platform, sex sells. That's not a critique. I don't remember exactly the question that he asked them, but they were just talking about kind of, you know, why they have this platform and what they like to share with their fans. And Hannah made the comment, I love fitness. I like to showcase my body in a way that makes me feel confident. And Haley kind of backed off of that and said, I love my morning oats and I go to work out every single day. I want to portray that to my audience and show that I'm passionate about that. Who are you to judge that? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, who are you to judge that? I mean, this is their lifestyle. This is what they do. There are plenty of people out there who want to follow them and to see what they do and appreciate that type of content. And there's no reason to bash them or say that they're less of an athlete. Anyone on social media who enjoys a large following, most of the time, it's gonna, there's going to be something factored in into how they look. I mean, that's just how social media works. So it's not fair to bash these athletes for their success when again this is a symptom of the way social media works it's not their fault and to kind of make them out as like scapegoats and to say 
there are these other athletes out there who are suffering and losing out on money because these girls walk in here and they're pretty and they can take those deals, which is kind of the vibe that these articles give off. Mm -hmm. It's just pulling out young girls who have been successful to bash for no reason. And also, I don't really... They're not doing anything different from what girls our age are doing or that young women our age are doing. For whatever reason, people have a massive problem with it because they're athletes, which is what I find a little bit strange. To me, I really don't see a lot different in them than, yeah, other people our age. I don't know. Everyone has the ability to create a social media. I would argue that everyone has the ability to become famous. Like, everyone is marketable. You just have to figure out what it is. And so it's like with these women, sports has really given them a platform and they've been able to jump off that. But it's as if them putting themselves in the spotlight has people are kind of taking that as if it's given them the ability to critique them and comment on their life decisions and sexualize them yeah and sexualize them just like giving them the opportunity to comment on these people as if they're allowed to and they have credit to their name to be saying these things and it's just like just because they're famous doesn't mean you're allowed to critique them for things that wouldn't be an issue if other people were doing because you're pretty and you know you're pretty I'm allowed to then say whatever I want about you and take your success away from you and that's valid the Cavender twins I just pulled out this one Instagram post joint post that they had made together but they posted when they graduated from Miami they posted themselves with their like graduation caps and just saying like oh you know we graduated like what's next for us and The comments under the post were, like, disgusting, kind of, in a word. I mean, just, like, I just pulled out a few, but someone was like, fans, the only kind, please. Someone else was like, only fans. Someone else said, the NBA and Pornhub are calling. Someone else just said porn. And it's like, that's never, uh, obviously, that's never appropriate to comment under anyone's photo. And it was especially disheartening for me to see it under a photo of them celebrating one of the biggest accomplishments a person can have in their life, which is graduating from college. And that's all they were doing was celebrating that success together, that they've been able to make it this far and do it while being a college athlete and moving into the next stage of their life that has a lot of incredible things in store for them. And it's just, like I said, it's just incredibly disappointing to see that people feel so comfortable commenting that even when they try to celebrate their accomplishments that really have nothing to do with them being an athlete and have nothing to do with their looks, they're still subject to that sexualization just because they've capitalized off that in the past. And I feel like I don't have to say it explicitly. It should be known, but clearly that's not okay and not acceptable and not their fault. But that type of attitude that people have toward them is part of what drives this media coverage and the more that we have media coverage of these athletes essentially like baiting them into these articles and then bashing them for the way they've been able to make their money and there are some valid points of course it is not fair that minority athletes and athletes that just don't aren't white and blonde of course it's not fair that maybe they're not getting as much attention in that sphere for NIL deals and stuff. Of course, that's not great. That's not fun to hear. It's an uncomfortable topic and it is the reality. At the same time, that doesn't give anybody the excuse to bash these young women and to sexualize them and to 
undercut the success that they've had because they've earned it and they've done it on their own off of who they are and nothing else, which is incredibly impressive. Yeah, every time that I read through really just ESPN and then other Instagrams, I'll look through the comments on them too just to kind of see what people are saying about different things. Like when you sent me, was it the Iowa basketball game? They love to hate on it. And then when McLaren announced that the female driver in the F1 Academy, it was just like one of the comments was, I can already visualize the crash or something like Mm -hmm. that. And it's like, do you really have to comment? It could be an inside thought. It doesn't need to be verbalized in (laughs) social media posts. Inside thought. That's such like a thing to say to like a kindergartner. (laughs) Well, I mean. Keep your inside (laughs) thoughts in your head. That's, no, but and it's the just one, like, what's the point of commenting? That's what I don't yeah, get. Yeah, for sure. And the one that sticks with me, there was one from the Softball World Series a couple years ago. The team scored and like at home plate, they had like a Lunchables, like peanut butter jelly celebration or something like that. And so many of the comments were like, don't think she needs to eat any more of those. Like, looks like she had one too many of those. Like, I really don't. Is this how we're going to be celebrating? Like, just so much body shaming, like yeah. all throughout. And that was just like, oh, that's so depressing. Like this girl just like is just killing so depra- it at the top of her game. Yeah, and then people are it, only focused on her body. Playing at the highest level of college softball. And like there's this post to celebrate and kind of show off a fun little thing that she's doing with her teammates and they're having fun. And and she's just getting like body shamed in the comments. Like that's horrible. And I almost unfollow them, honestly, because anytime they do a post that has anything to do with like women's sports, the comments are trash. And it's to the point they where are. it's like, I, I know you're trying to highlight. I have to stop looking at them. I yeah. know I just said I usually do, but it's kind of because I can't avoid it. But I really should just stop looking at them. Because I get they're trying to highlight stuff like that. These women's sports where they're not as out there in the media. And so something like that happens. You get to put them on like a massive platform and a bunch of people get to see it. But And to turn to professional example of this kind of sexualization one thing that we had found was alicia lemon i believe is how you say it she is a professional women's soccer player she plays for aston villa in the premier league she's been designated the world's sexiest footballer by not of her own choosing yeah not of her own choosing by multiple sports news outlets which is a crazy title to hold. And this article we found, which I actually can't believe that it's a news article that was published, is solely talking about the fact that she turned down an offer from an adult subscription platform. That's the entire article. That's all it's about. At least they were kind enough to use an action photo of her playing on like the New York Times and Free Press. But... To me, I'm just like, why is this why is this news? Why are we talking about this? Why are we giving this a platform? And so the article kind of it talks about that she's a very influential soccer player and she has a large social media following. So, okay, great. They got the facts right. And then they talk about how she turned down about $110,000 of an offer to open up a profile on this specific site it's neutral it doesn't like critique it or praise her for that decision i would argue for the article however i it's just to me why is this an article like why why are we talking about this why is she being designated world's sexiest footballer in this article 
I just think that this continues to perpetuate this idea that even though the article is neutral, it's as if it's like, why did she do that? <laughs> it, that's kind of how it feels. And so we looked up her annual salary, which I think is roughly $200,000 a year. Okay, maybe from like a financial standpoint, <laughs> maybe yeah. you'd be like, whoa. It's a lot of but money. But that's something that exists forever. That's something that would be, that would haunt your life forever if you end up regretting it, which I don't know. Who knows? But I would imagine she might. And it's, I don't know, just like the tone of the article and by covering it and giving it a platform, it just kind of seems like they're like, well, why, why would you turn this down? Like it almost as if they expected her to do it. And so, that brings up two things. It's like, first, people just assuming that because she posts pictures of herself, I don't know, in bikinis or just really shows off, shows herself off as if like she owes them to do this. And then also the media just kind of being surprised that she didn't do it as if like she should be doing it. Or why wouldn't she want to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just because you're, just because you are pretty, like why? Why wouldn't you want to do this? That's a lot of money. Like, there's a market for this, quote unquote. Of course, you should do it, right? And I mean, Jenna and I are both on the school newspaper here at Emory, so we have a lot of conversations in amongst ourselves when we were editors together, and then even now about intentionality in journalism. And yes. I think one thing that's very interesting about this article in particular is that it has the headline that she turned down the offer from the subscription platform and then the byline right beneath that is the Aston Villa player has opened her own exclusive content website yeah that really caught my eye I su- that's what actually why I clicked on the article to read it and literally Jenna and I were discussing this article and Jenna was like well I didn't understand this because she turned down this offer but then she opened her own website and I was like what are you talking about? I don't think so and so this byline yeah we kept reading literally was like kind of that clickbait or gives off that idea of Oh, she opened her own adult platform exclusive content website, which is not the case. She just opened essentially, you do have to subscribe to it, but it's essentially just like a website about her and kind of her lifestyle. Yeah, it's just content. Just content. Yeah. Yeah. Something you would get maybe from a YouTube channel, but like on a website platform. But juxtaposing the title with that byline and purposefully, I think, not giving any context to that. I think is exa- it's exactly the impression that Jenna got from it and exactly like what we would have thought if we didn't keep reading, which is that she opened her own adult subscription platform to do what that offer had wanted her to do just on her own terms. And uh, again, this is something she never asked for. She never asked for this coverage. But when articles like this are written, it's like every time you Google her name, something like this will come up. There's articles that are literally just photos of her in her uniform warming up for a game, just talking about her appearance. Mm-hmm. It's kind of unreal. They'll literally just photograph her warming up for a game and make comments about her body and the way she looks and say like, oh, this is causing a stir. And it's like, why are we writing these articles about her? She's just trying to play soccer. Yeah, it's like, let's, okay, let's talk about what she did during the game. And if that's not enough, then that's not enough. But like... Th- why are you creating a whole article just to sexualize the soccer player who did not like does not I mean no one ever deserves it but just because she's pretty doesn't mean it's okay anytime this coverage is created 
again, every time you Google her name, these are the articles that come up. These are the things that come up. So then when people are just trying to learn about her, this is kind of the content that they get when they first see it. And then that just perpetuates this idea of her as this sexual person above her abilities as a soccer player, which is definitely disheartening, of course, to see. I mean, no athlete wants to have that be above their accomplishments as an athlete. They're there to play soccer. That's what she's paid to do. At one of the highest, the Premier League is one of the best soccer leagues, if someone argue the best soccer league in the world. And she's playing at that level for a great club team. And even someone at that level can't escape that. There's nothing she can do about it. In this article, there is one quote from her that I like. At the time when this was written, she had 14.5 million followers on Instagram and and 9.5 million on TikTok. But she said that she never dreamed of having so many followers. And while she's proud to have them, it doesn't change anything. So for her, it's like this isn't – that's not her main focus, nor – did I ever assume it would be, but it seems like some people might. <laughs> yeah, it's like having having those followers and people supporting her in that way and because maybe because she's attractive, like that really doesn't do anything for her. It's to her, it's like her focus is on soccer and her sport and her passion and her career. And I think the main takeaway for me when I was reading all these articles and synthesizing all the thoughts and trying to process, honestly, a lot of what I was reading is kind of the question that came to my mind was, do you have to dull your femininity to be taken seriously as a female athlete? Because it seems like that's what a lot of these articles are hinting at or criticizing these women for is just being young girls who are fit and are proud of that and want to show it off, which there's, in my mind, other people might disagree, and clearly other people do, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's something that most young girls, regardless of whether or not they're athletes, do. And if it gives them confidence, and it's something they want to do, and it's on their own terms, then why not? Sports is obviously such a male-dominated field, and I think there's sometimes this expectation that women have to be one of the boys, quote unquote, or act more like a man in order to fit in at any level of sports, whether it is as an athlete or at the administrative level, or just if you're in the sports world, you have to kind of be one of the boys. I, at least for me, I'm kind of like, why can't a girl also just, if she wants to be more feminine, that's all, why can't that just be just as valid? It, it just, honestly, it just kind of seems like women can never do the right thing because I think your question of do you have to dull your femininity is a great one and it seems like yes you do in order to be taken seriously and yet we have these comments about athletes like Serena Williams and other athletes being degraded for having a manly appearance or acting in that way or even even queer female athletes they usually like there's there's comments there too and it's just like <laughs> there's it never seems to be the right thing to do I don't know it's so it's like here's all these women being degraded for being too feminine but if you're too masculine that's also not correct and that's not good for you and that also undermines you so it's it just kind of seems to me that female athletes are just constantly being undermined and their athletic abilities are almost never 
given full credit. It's back to what Haley Jones said. I mean, it, she said, you know, no matter what you do, you're sexualized. Oh, yes, it's absolutely. kind of like no matter what you do, you're going to be undermined and not taken as seriously as a male athlete would. And Jenna's even talked about she had seen a TikTok from a from athletes on a women's hockey team who wear makeup to games and stuff. And they were just like, like, look good, feel good, play good kind of vibe to their TikTok. And people under that were commenting like, you know, you know, why do you wear so much makeup? Like, why do you have so much on? Like, why do you, how can you wear makeup to games? Just basically critiquing it, them for wanting to dress And it was up. even worse than that too, because so they were doing a trend and it was just like someone asking us, well, why do you wear so much makeup? And then them doing the trend where you like say like that's an L for asking and then the comments were even worse than that they were just like you probably don't even get playing like not even just why do you wear so much makeup but and they were commenting like oh my god that's the whole global consumption of makeup or things like that but also like you probably don't even play or just like commenting on that they're probably terrible at their sport and just again they're taking their appearance and then commenting negatively on that, but then also using that to comment negatively on every other aspect of these two random women on mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah. I mean, and they're doing what makes them feel confident. They're doing what they like. It's a little bit more feminine, sure, but there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I even, all. I mean, I told Claire too, like, I have always said, look good, feel good, perform even better. I always do my hair and I always do my makeup for competitions. That's how it is. That's, I mean, it's a form of self-care, but then also like, yeah, I'm going to put my best foot forward for my competitions. And I use that mantra for a lot of other things other than sports too, but especially for that, like, yeah, I want to look good, but that makes me feel good. And when I feel good, I perform good. And so I'm not looking good because there's going to be people at the meet looking at me performing or, or men there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not just even people, men. While I would love to have good photos of me in the meet, I'm not doing my makeup because of those photos. I'm doing it to feel good, to perform good. So to me, I mean, I'm an athlete, but I imagine that <laughs> I imagine that Claire can resonate with that. I imagine yeah. a lot of women or hopefully all women could resonate with that. of just like, you're doing this for yourself, not for other people looking at you. And I think that's where some of the criticism of people like Livy Don and the Cavender Twins come in, is that the assumption is that they're, by showing off their appearance and making that the focus of kind of their persona, they're gearing themselves toward a male audience because a sports audience is usually a mostly male audience. And so that's the idea. That's why they're doing it is the assumption when I think that completely dismisses the idea that maybe there are young girls out there who like Livy Dunn, who like the Cavender twins and want to follow them because they admire them as athletes, because they can take inspiration from how confident they are in the way they look. There's a ton of reasons why there are some people I follow because of that, because I'm like, wow, I get so much confidence from the way that they present themselves and because I like their vibe. And I sure there are men who follow these young girls because they think they're pretty. That is not to say that doesn't happen, but I, I most of the criticism seems to be that's why you're doing this is for men. And because of that, we are allowed to publicly bash and criticize and twist in whatever way we see fit, which again is completely ignoring the fact that maybe there are women out there who can also take something and find inspiration and confidence in 
these young women and the way they present themselves, which is arguably much more important than the way that men view them. For this week's Fun Friday, we are drafting dodgeball teams. So we each are going to pick three professional female athletes, and I will go first. So my first one is Kelsey Whitmore. She's a pitcher for the Staten Island Ferry Hawks in the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball. This is the basically the highest up league under the MLB that you can play baseball in. So it's really cool that she's doing that. Her pitch speed is about 78 miles an hour, which would be pretty lethal on a dodgeball team, I'd say. For that arm power, I have chosen uh, Whitmore. That's a good pick. And I was really in a similar vein with you when I was trying to pick my athletes that I was going to draft. But since you went with that, I'll take it in a slightly different direction just to kind of mix it up. My first pick... For similar reasoning, though, is going to be Serena Williams. We need an arm on a dodgeball team, and she's got one. She is incredibly strong, obviously, has played tennis at the professional level for many, many years, which serving is kind of similar to throwing. It's the same type of motion. I think she'd be the absolute muscle and power and arm behind our team. Like, if she threw a ball at me, I'm getting out of the way. or I'm at least (laughs) hoping it's not aimed at me because... That's coming in with some heat. So same idea, same vibe. Who's got an arm? Serena Williams. So that would be that would be my first draft pick. That was I'm glad you didn't pick it because that's actually the one that I wanted first overall. I thought about it. She actually did pop into my head, but I remembered. Whit- I remember seeing something about Whitmore recently, and so I was like, no, I have to find her stats. And I was like, yeah, 78 miles an hour will do it. That would yeah, do it. That's pretty lethal that's a game winner Mm -hmm. right there so (laughs) okay my second person is jessica hawkins and she's a british racing driver and she competes in the w series she has test driven aston martin's f1 cars uh which was a very big deal recently and so the reason i chose her is because These drivers need to have insane reflexes and just have to be able to react super, super quickly, which I think would be really beneficial in a game of dodgeball. So I need someone that that can really react. And I always feel like in Drive to Survive, they show the drivers warming up with like a little activity that involves them like catching, catching a ball and stuff. And so I'm like, okay, I know she can catch. It, I'm, I'm sure it would also work in dodgeball and and then she'd have super quick reflexes so she wouldn't be caught off guard and I think that would be really helpful I actually thought you were going to go with because I almost went with an F1 driver for part of my team I thought you were going to go for it for a different reason which is they usually have to be pr- fairly small and compact and not have a oh, ton of body weight see, because they have to you know obviously you have to be kind of small to fit in the car so that's why with my next pick, I went with Simone Biles. Oh my God, she was going to be my third. <laughs> that was exactly why I was going to pick her. <laughs> she's my second pick because allegedly she's four foot eight, which is tiny. Obviously, she's this small little human being. And obviously in dodgeball, you're trying to hit other people. So you want at least someone on your team to be a fairly small target. And so that's Simone because she's very, very small. The other advantage she has is that being a gymnast, she's incredibly agile, incredibly quick. 
she can is very flexible. She could dodge and get out of the way. And honestly, she's also very strong because she's a gymnast. So they got to have muscles on like every part of their body. So she'd also probably, I don't know how her hand-eye coordination is because they don't really have to do catching or throwing or anything like that in gymnastics. But I'm sure the power and strength that she'd be throwing, it might not be accurate, but it at least make you pause. Be like, whoa, what's happening here? So Simone Biles is my second pick because all around it seems like she would have a lot of attributes that would lend itself well to being on a dodgeball team. Yeah, so that is my reasoning for my third, yes, for my third one. I was going to pick uh, Simone Biles, but she's now taken, unfortunately. So I will be picking Suni Lee. I, that was, I almost thought about picking Suni Lee. Well, I, it's, and it's very similar. I mean, she's five foot. So that's what I was thinking. She is definitely going to be a powerhouse because she's super strong, but then she also is smaller. And I think a very important part of the game of dodgeball is to not get out. And so you can't really get out if you can't really hit the target. And I think she would be awesome because she'd be able to like dodge around, which is really helpful in dodgeball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> name of the game some yes exactly some would say but also I think she would I mean I think that she's just so agile I think she would also be beneficial on the offensive side as well but she is primarily my choice for the defense aspect of dodgeball yeah like I said I almost picked Suni Lee that was going to be my backup if you picked Simone Biles for example I so we kind of traded off each other there yeah, we, we forced each other bit. to pick one of the two <laughs> My final pick, so right now I have, like, the strength, the absolute power of Serena Williams, and then I have kind of, right, the more defensive player of someone who can dodge around and just keep us in the game in Simone Biles. So I was like, I need someone who can kind of do a little bit of both, who's pretty quick and can also be aggressive, but at the same time just kind of be, like, the leader of this team and be a two-way player. And for me, that came down to Trinity Rodman because – She's a soccer player, so she has to be very agile, very quick on her feet. She also has to obviously have like stamina and long-term cardio because soccer is a very demanding game. You're playing for 90 minutes at a minimum. So she has that going for her. Soccer, I know you play with your feet, so you're like, okay. But Trinity Rodman, she played basketball. Her dad is Dennis Rodman, so she has that gene in her. She can have hand-eye coordination. She's an all-around athlete. And I think she's just a good in-between two-way player because she can be aggressive, and that's how she plays. She is aggressive. She's feisty. She's got some spark to her. She will have no fear about going out on the front line and trying to get people out. But at the same time, if people come for her, I think she can defend and dodge her way around it. So she's my final pick for my team. I think I have a good lineup. This would be really fun. I, I get a lot of joy out of seeing athletes, professional athletes, like for promos and stuff, do sports that are like not that serious doing, yeah doing things that they're not professionals <laughs> like, at yeah, like corn <laughs> like cornhole or axe throwing or just like stuff like that where right they're not professionals and it's also very low-key and relaxed but it's yeah it's just fun to watch them do that kind of stuff so like a, a dodgeball tournament with professional athletes I think would I don't know why they haven't done that yet I think probably maybe because people might get hurt but like I feel like that would be so fun to watch thank you for listening to the fifth episode of the athlete and the NARP We hope you enjoyed our discussion about the media's objectification of female athletes that degrades their success, as well as our Fun Friday dodgeball draft. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The Athlete and the NARP. 
You can contact us by email at theathleteandthenarp at gmail.com with content suggestions, clarifications, or questions. Until next time, I'm Claire Fenton. And I'm Jenna Daly. And this has been The Athlete and the NARP. NARP.